Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Um, I am coming. We pulled in from Nova Scotia last night from a little road trip. Nice. And it actually does feel good to be. It felt really good to be away and to, like kind of disconnected. And it feels really good to be back. So yay. <laughs> I, I love a good reset. Every now and then you need one. So yeah. I, I get it. It was good. Um, I like my audience to introduce themselves in whatever way feels good for you for today. Um, you know, feel free to share why why you decided that this was the right show for you to come on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, tell people who you are, and then we'll start chatting. Love it. So, hey, y'all. I'm Leah Importy. I coined myself the Visibility Activator um, because oh. I have this very unique gift at teaching women entrepreneurs how to achieve media domination. So I (laughs) was a first time, you know, my quick little backstory, I was a first time published author back in 2017. I knew I had a book, a message and the gift of speaking. And I just had to figure out how to get in front of my people. Right. So (laughs) I trained myself. I taught myself how to pitch. And so I tell myself Mm. I mastered the art of pitching and it put me in front of the media 187 times in the last (laughs) six years. So I was like, well, if I can do it, other women can do it. So Mm -hmm. I created what I call my media domination method framework. And I teach them exactly how to do that, how to achieve media domination. So outside of that, I am a eight time published author. So I'm writing and releasing my ninth book. Nice. the top of 2024. I'm super excited about that. And all my books prior to this book, honestly, Amanda, was just like memoirs telling my healing journey wow. and, and things that I've experienced. With this book, I decided that I really wanted to create a book that teaches my method. And so that is what people will get with the ninth book, which is way different than what my audience is yeah, used to. Yeah, totally. But I'm excited about it. And so outside of that, I'm a podcaster. So I host the show, Hey Queen Thrive. It airs every Thursday. And we're in our third season. We will be wrapping up the third season um, in October. And I'll have like 140 something interviews. So yeah. I'm, I'm catching up to you, Amanda, because I know uh- <laughs> you're at 200. So, um, but one thing I love to tell people about is that I'm an angel mom. So I was yeah. definitely um, pregnant at, at 24. So this is about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was pregnant in um, my last year of college. And uh, we'll get definitely get into the story but I lost my baby nine weeks into my pregnancy Mm. and I had what they call a missed abortion. And so that's pretty much who I am. Yeah. All right. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I don't do a lot of, um, I kind of follow my intuition on guests and um, every once in a while I'll go in a group and be like, anyone have anything to offer the abortion audience? (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Um, but I don't do a lot of like, you know, sleuthing around who is this person coming on my show. Um, and now I want to. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to get off this call and go check out all Leah's work. <laughs> That's I love funny. it. That's good. Um, but yeah, tell us, you do have a story that I haven't, um, I've had some conversations about in my, in the podcast, but, um, I am curious how you feel like your experience fits into the wider abortion conversation. Like how do you see yourself in, in this massive conversation, particularly in the last couple of years that's been, yeah being had around abortion like what comes up for you when when the world is talking about abortion and you've had this um this story that you have yeah so i think for me two things that come up is that all abortions are not like someone making a decision that they don't want to have a child i think that's yeah. one of the like biggest yeah. misconceptions and with my situation it was a medically like it medically had to happen right yeah. so I was like 23, 24 years old. I got pregnant by my then boyfriend at the time. And I'd be honest, like I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I wanted to have a child because the relationship that I was in was not a healthy one. It was very toxic. It was abusive. And I was like, I'm not really sure if I want to be connected to this person for the rest of my life. On top of that, I was in college. So I was literally like, entering my last year of college when I found out that I was pregnant. And when I found out, I never forget him. I told my doctor, I was like, you need to run the test again. <laughs> like, yeah. like I was like, absolutely not. Nope. I need you to run this test again. So he like literally ran the test like three times. And on the third time he was like, Miss Forney, you are pregnant. Like I need you to accept this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like one of my girlfriends at the time who was with me at the doctor's office, me telling her, and she was like, wait, what? And I was like, we having this same moment of like, <laughs> like, this is not happening. This is not my life. Yeah, like yeah. all of those things. And so unfortunately, when I had told the guy that I was pregnant by, he wasn't happy. Like his initial reaction wasn't one of like, oh, we're going to have this family. Yeah. It was like, well, you pregnant by who? As, as if he was trying to like insinuate that I was like cheating on him. Oh yeah, yeah. And so not having that support from the person I was pregnant by didn't add to like me being like, well, maybe I should have this baby. It was kind right. of like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have this baby. Yeah. Right. Then I tack on like my family finding out because I kept it a secret for a while. And then my sister, my younger sister actually ratted on me. She told on me. Um, and having to have that conversation. And so I grew up in a household where it was very Christian based. And my grandmother was just like big on like, you're not having unwedded pregnancies and all of that. So having these feelings around disappointing family and then being kind of like the Bible thrown at me at the same time of like, this is why it's so morally wrong. Like just didn't add to the feelings of like, I guess some women would have where they find out they're pregnant. Like I wasn't yeah. none of the fuzzies. It was kind of like, I feel like the worst person in the world because I got pregnant and I'm not married and my family hates me. Like I was having all those emotions. So at the time I still made a no decision. I was just like, I don't know. Cause I'll be honest. Like I wasn't, I wasn't for abortion. So it was kind of <laughs> like, either you're going to, 
laying your mess and deal with it, or you're going to make another decision. And so I just didn't know what that decision was going to be, to be honest. And Mm so I ended up, I was like going back and forth to my doctor, doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing, getting the regular checkups, all of those things. And then probably the week that I hit nine weeks, I was on public transportation in New York City because that's where I lived at the time. And I just started having these really bad cramps Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. And so like I called my doctor and I'm like, hey, I'm having these really bad cramps, like these intense cramps. And I don't I'm not sure what I need to do. And so his receptionist was like, he's telling me to tell you to go to the nearest emergency room. So I go to the nearest emergency room. And I end up being there. And then I told them like, hey, I'm pregnant. So they're like, okay, let's do an ultrasound. And I could tell by the look on the technician's face mm-hmm. that like something wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and I remember notifying the father and he was like, well, I'm still at work, but I'll come soon as I can. So I was like, okay. So <laughs> after they do the ultrasound, the doctor comes back like 30 minutes later and was like, there's no heartbeat. Your baby has died. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there and I was like so frozen because I was yeah. just like, what do you mean the baby? <laughs> like it was yeah. so hard to like process in the moment. Again, I'm 24. So I'm not, I'm like, is this really happening to me? And here's the crazy thing about that time in my life, Amanda, like I was pregnant. My sister who ratted on me was pregnant. And then my brother, my older brother, he and his ch- his children's mother were pregnant. So like essentially it was going to be like three gener like one g- new generation. Bunch born, of new cousins. New cousins <laughs> being born. And so uh, getting that news that I was like, that I had just lost my child and then having to call the father of the child and tell him. And it, it was surprisingly how emotional he was because I, mm. in my mind, I was like, you didn't even want this child. Like, yeah. So it was like surprising his reaction and then finding out that I had to have a 24 hour follow up with my GYN the next day. So when I went in, my GYN explained to me that I had what they call a missed abortion. And he was like, a missed abortion is basically when your body does not reject like the fetus like it would in a miscarriage. So like a miscarriage, you kind of really know that you're losing the baby. But in this case, like the fetus just died and Mm -hmm. there was no like releasing of it from my body. So he was like, the only way that we can remove the fetus is through surgery. And he was like, we're going to have to have what they call a DNC and I'm going to have to go in and I'm going to have to remove the fetus that way. And so I'm like, so now I lost the child and now my body does not reject it. So now I have to have this surgery And what was crazy at the time of my life, I was right in the middle of finals at school. Mm. So I still had to go to college. And you said it was your last semester, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still having to go to college. I was also working part-time. So like life was still (laughs) experiencing life. Like life was still happening. And I remember when we had to set the surgery date and literally the surgery date was on a day that I had finals. And I was like, well, I can't be there until after this time because I have to take my finals. And so he was like, okay, we'll do it in the afternoon and everything. And I went, I had the surgery and another friend of mine was there because the guy that I was, I had gotten pregnant by, he didn't want to be there to -hmm. support me. And so it was, I remember getting on the, the, the 
the gurney in the 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 surgery room and tears just started to flow as mm -hmm. like the anesthesia was kicking in like tears just started to flow mm -hmm. um and I think it was because that was like the first time in my life I felt so alone like I mm. felt like I had no real support because yeah even when I lost a child I went back and I told my family and I was like you know I lost you know I ended up losing the baby and their response was not a nice one. Like, I still remember to this day, like, my grandmother was like, well, good, because I was praying that the baby would die. Mm, and that yeah. was probably, like, the first time that I even questioned, like, Christianity and my religion and my upbringing, because it was like, well, what kind of God <laughs> would answer a prayer that an unborn child that has nothing to do with my decisions would die. So it put me in this really like mm. negative emotional space for a very long time. Like I didn't go to my siblings, baby showers, the other two that like, I didn't do any of that because I was just like, I can't believe this happened to me and why mm. me and all mm -hmm. these grieving and emotions. And so when I do think about like going to your question about the abortion conversation, I think we have to stop looking at it as just this situation where it's so black and white yeah. and realize that there's so many other reasons why a woman would make a decision to have an abortion. And I'll, for many of us, it's not even that easy of a decision. Like right. I went back and forth about it. It's almost like I went back and forth in my mind for so long that my body was just like, all right, I'm gonna make the decision for you because it's not easy to just be like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, and I think those are the parts of the conversations that we're not really having yeah. because we make it so black and white, like abortion is wrong, but there's so many reasons why. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting, and it de I've definitely had people, well, they've had a, obviously a lot of different stories on the show, but um, some people who've scheduled abortions and then had a spontaneous miscarriage before. Um, mm -hmm. But I really appreciate what you're saying is like, you know, the decision itself was not easy. And then you decided to keep the pregnancy. And then that decision was ultimately not yours. Yeah. Um, do you remember the factors that played into the decision to like, you knew you were not in a supportive relationship. Yeah. You knew it was not somebody who you wanted to raise a child with. Yeah. You knew you were just finishing school and like not planning to, to settle in to mom world. <laughs> no. So can you remember the factors Obviously, having a very um, Christian upbringing, Christian family yeah, um, was a part of it. But what were the voices in your head that said, like, you have to, you know, just you got to roll with it. Like, you're going to keep this pregnancy. I mean, I think for me at that time, it was just not wanting to continue to be a disappointment to my family because of our upbringing and because so I've already disappointed them if I now choose abortion I will disappoint them even more yeah yeah okay that makes sense yeah. yeah so I think that was the biggest factor and then like I said I feel like the decision ended up being made for me because it was what? like yeah, no, you probably shouldn't do this. It's extra interesting that then your grandmother would say to you, like, you know, I I prayed that that 
this baby wouldn't make it. I don't, I don't forget yeah. the language you used, but like you just, it would just use her as an example. And in, I'm sure there's tons of nuance around this. Yeah. I'm just yeah. being very kind of blunt, right? Like she was disappointed that you got pregnant in the first place. You didn't want to disappoint her further, so you decided to keep the pregnancy. But then what she really wanted in the end was for you to not become a mother at that point. So it's like just so messy and layered. And there's like all these like trying to one person trying to make another person happy and disappointments and assumptions and Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And yeah. that that was the weight that I felt like I carried. And then even after like going through the surgery and 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 going through like the healing and recovery process, like I think I never even had one, to be honest. Like I feel like I numbed myself and I threw myself into work mm-hmm. and I like was just like, we're just gonna pretend like this doesn't happen. But on the inside, like I was dying, you know, mm-hmm. like I was really like, I remember just like traveling different places and all I saw was pregnant women. Mm. And it was just bringing back these feelings. And so I, it wasn't until years later, probably maybe a five, six years later that I actually started talking about this experience in my yeah. life. Um, because I had gone through therapy and I started to really like work through it and process it. And I remember the first time I posted on social media that I was an angel mom and to get the response and the overwhelming response of so many women that I was already connected to that. I didn't know that that was a part of their story saying, Oh my God, Leah, I can relate to that. Cause that was like, I, I did the same thing. I went through the same, you know, similar situations. And the first time I decided to do it public, like talk about this story, really, I got an opportunity to be a part of a film, a documentary called life after loss where the the director is uh, Teresa Mitchell and she wanted to do a documentary around specifically around black maternal health mm. because we do have such an epidemic with so many of us dying, giving birth awesome. and being able to share it on film was like such another layer of healing for me because I was also doing it alongside other women of color who were all like, <laughs> yeah, me too. Like yeah. I had these experiences and giving a different perspective to abortion and and what that really looks like because for me it was I had no choice it was a medical situation that it was like you know I lost the baby nine weeks in but then my surgery was like two three weeks later so technically I was carrying a dead fetus for like 12 weeks before we could even get into the OR room so I can only imagine what that was feeling like on the inside of my body and what my body was experiencing so when you, I'm not sure how um, how much you watch the news or, or see the news around abortion, but when you think about now a woman who has, a, so just for listeners, like a miscarriage is called a spontaneous abortion. Yeah. So the language Leah's using is the baby passed, but I didn't have a spontaneous abortion because my body didn't release it. So that, that I missed that spontaneous abortion and then I had to choose it. So when you see a story now of a woman who had, who was in your shoes, right? Like is carrying this unviable tissue, this fetus and can't get access to 
healthcare. What is that like for you? Knowing that like this very necessary health procedure is now inaccessible to more and more people. To be honest, it breaks my heart and it breaks my heart Mm -hmm. for so many reasons, because when we had the overturning of Roe versus Wade, outside of my situation, what I really thought about was women that like me either didn't have access to to healthcare was probably going to get some type of medical bill because they have to go do this. But then I also thought about the other aspect of my story. I'm a sexual assault survivor. And one of the things that we don't think about either when it comes to abortion is, is those that get pregnant as a result of a rape. Right. Like it's already difficult to make a decision about whether or not to keep your child. But then when we factor on other layers, like not having access to quality health care or my child is the product of a rape. Right. Like and having to make the decision, do I give this child this life or do I, you know, and be reminded of the trauma every time I look at my child or not. Like, I think it's so heartbreaking because we don't think about it. Like, there's so many reasons why, there's so many factors why someone would make a decision to not choose life, right? And so those things make it so heartbreaking to see how it's being played out, how we have so many abortion bans. And, but the even heartbreaking thing is that we have men, mainly men, dictating what women can do with our bodies yeah and it's frustrating because it's like women are not dictating what men can do with theirs <laughs> like, yes. we're not we're not telling people you know men what to do and I think even when we think about reproductive as a whole like it takes a man and a woman so if we're going to make all these laws and undo laws and restrict things for women then we should be doing the same thing for men because as the saying goes, it takes two to tango. Like we're not getting pregnant by ourselves. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting conversation around the assault, because I think what a lot of us want is a strange word here, but a lot of us want to do when we hear the word rape is imagine like a dark alley, right? And sexual assault rape doesn't always look like that it can be inside a marriage it can be Mm -hmm. inside a relationship it can be inside a family and it's it's not it's not this super rare awful thing that you hope doesn't happen to you it's happening all the time all the time right and so when we when we talk about being able to say no to a pregnancy from an assault we're not just talking about the i don't know what percentage of assaults actually happen in that violent hollywood way we're imagining they're 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 within marriages they're Mm -hmm. within communities they're within they're with people we know and times that things just you know life happens so i think that's really important um to to talk about um i see you taking some notes i have a question for you that slips back a little further so i won't ask it if I think you're taking it out. I won't ask it if you have something to say relevant to right now. Otherwise, I have a slip back question. (laughs) So what I will say is everything you said is absolutely true. It happens more than we think. And then it happens in different confines. And the sad part is that in a lot of states, those laws haven't changed. So like here, I live in the state of Maryland. And I do a lot of work in sexual assault advocacy 
um, as part of my everyday job. And I did, I got into that work because I'm a survivor. And here in the state of Maryland, just this year, we were able to finally remove marriage as the defense to sex crimes because on their laws for a very long time, like it was, oh, if I'm married to this person, I can't say it's rape. You know what I mean? But like, if we take it even deeper, like some states don't even have consent laws. Like they don't have a clear definition. Maryland is one of them. We're we're fighting for simple things like, how about we define what consent really means? Like, how about we define what rape really means? You know, in some states, if it was no force, it wasn't rape. But if I said no and this person continued, it's it's rape. So I think that's the part that we're missing in even both conversations is that we still have these laws, these antiquated laws that are not caught up with the times that we're in now. And they're no longer clearly defining what abortion is, what rape is, what all these things really are. And we're still basing it off of stuff that we know from 1920 or 1940 or even earlier than that. Yeah. It's real messy. (laughs) (laughs) It's real messy. Um, And yeah, we could keep going in that direction. I'm happy to, if you feel like you have more to say, but otherwise I want to jump back to um, your experience of grieving. If you're Mm -hmm. you're okay going there. Yeah. Because you said that you really didn't, I don't know what the language you want to use is, but didn't face it, didn't look at it, didn't grieve until about five years later. Can you identify now looking back why you didn't grieve? Was that you like, I don't know how to grieve this or I'm not allowed to grieve this or like what what was it stopping you from from grieving in for so long? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Like, I didn't know how to grieve it. I didn't know too many people that went through that experience. So I didn't have like a reference point on how to. Um, But then also, I just, I didn't know um, what grieving, like, I, it was always different. I always tell people with grief and loss, it's like, it's different when you're grieving, like your cat or your pet that died or you know, your grandmother or family member that passed away. But when it's like your own biological child, it's it's just different. And so I don't even think I even had the words to put in place to say, this is what I'm experiencing. Because I don't even know if I knew what I was experiencing. I knew that I was sad a lot, but Mm -hmm. I think because given my upbringing and some of the earlier childhood traumas, like I could have been used any of them for the reason why I was sad, right? Like, I don't think I ever really thought that I was sad because I had lost a child, you know? And it took me a very long time to even be able to say that I lost a child. Like I can say it today and and tell that story today, but years ago, it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And so I was really good at just blocking things and get, and being numb. And then what would happen is something would come along, trigger it. And now I'm going into this downward spiral emotionally. And so that is the reason why I didn't for a very long time. And then I didn't feel supported. Like I didn't, I didn't have family support. I didn't have friends support. Like it was like, who could I really talk to? And being a woman of color, like therapy wasn't always something that we talked about. You know, everything was always uh, pray it away. You know, (laughs) you talk to God. Okay, that's. Yeah. Okay. That's my next question is there, there's this fine line of like, 
okay, well, the baby doesn't have a heartbeat anymore. From your, because I don't have a Christian upbringing. My parents mm -hmm. were raised Catholic, but I didn't grow up with much of a Christian upbringing. So even in terms of your experience with, with um, the pregnancy passing, mm -hmm. where in the Christian perspective is it like, well, it's God's will for your body to release that pregnancy when it's ready versus like now we intervene. This is a messy place for me in all Christianity and medicine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because I it's feel... like, when is it God when is it God's will versus for you science. for your body to miscarry naturally, eventually? And then if we if we go there, that would be the case for any medicine you take, any procedure you have. Well, if it's God's will for you to die from cancer, die from cancer. If it's God's will for you to die from blood, high blood pressure, you die, right? So like, yeah. do you remember any of that like coming into the... I think, so I will tell you for a while, I didn't like God after that. Yeah. Like, especially from the moment, Mike, when my grandmother said what she said to me about making that prayer, like I went on this whole like... <laughs> I, you could call me an atheist at that point in my time because I was like, God, who? Like, everything I knew about religion, Christianity, and going to church, like, I stopped doing. I was like, I ain't going to my own church. I ain't praying. I, I'm not. I'm not doing any of that because for me, it just didn't make sense that I would serve a God that would listen to a prayer that wasn't of good intentions, in my opinion, right? And then it happened. So right. I and it wasn't like you praying to lose the baby naturally. Right. It was someone else. So then you have this sense that like God's gonna pick grandma's prayer over my prayer. Right. Like what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is yeah. Happening here? That's exactly the space yeah. that I was in. So mm -hmm. I questioned everything I knew about God, everything I was taught about God. And so I stayed out of the church. I stayed this away from everything that I knew because I was just like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't Which, like it. So I'm okay, going to disconnect. There's another tricky layer because if you're 20, would you say you were 24? Yeah. Am I making that 24. right? So you're 24 years old, having been raised in that community, yep. the place to go for comfort is now the, the place you completely don't trust. Like, yeah. So of course, how do you grieve? How do you, right? Yeah. And that, I think that's the reason why I didn't. Like I didn't, I didn't really start to deal with that or any of the traumatic experiences in my life until I found my way back to God. Yeah. yeah. And that came as a result of the guy that I was pregnant by. I stayed, I was still with him. Like I stayed in that toxic relationship for good four years and it was not until the last time that he put his hands on me and I never forget because I barricaded myself in our apartment bedroom at the time and I, I literally just said to God out loud I was like I don't know if you hear me uh, don't even know if you're going to answer this prayer. like I don't know uh, because right. I have at this point I was done with you <laughs> but <laughs> I was like I, I was wise enough to remember what I had Ooh. been taught yeah, right so chills. in that moment I was just like I don't know if you're gonna hear me I don't know if this prayer is gonna get hired in the ceiling but I need you to help me get out of this abusive relationship mm -hmm. and if you help me get out then I vow 
to, to recommit my life to you. And literally the very next day from that prayer, the guy that I was with woke up and he was like, get out. And I just knew that moment was like, okay, well, maybe God really is real. Wow, interesting. <laughs> okay, so can, this this might be whatever. I just ask all the questions. So I love it. Now that you can look back. Yeah. At the time you were angry mm-hmm. with God, but, or at least with this, you know, right? Like the situation. At the time, now that you look back, can you say like, Maybe God was like, yeah, grandma's right, Leah. This is not the time for you to have a baby. Like at the time, I was like, why would you take this from me? Yeah. But now looking back, is there any part of you that's like, oh, maybe maybe that was God's will that I not become a mother at 24? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I mean, I because when I think about the whole situation in its t- entirety, like trying to graduate from college being in this abusive relationship, like I can look back now and and understand his will in that moment. Yeah. It didn't make sense in that moment because I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> so it's like, why is it happening? But if I look back 12 years later, I'm kind of like, well, I'm so glad that I did not end up connected to this person for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, you know, I had like I'm not really glad that I had that traumatic experience, but I'm glad of the lessons that I learned, and I'm yeah. glad that it it sparked the advocate in me to continue to have the the conversation and to really like connect with so many because I've talked about it so many times yeah. because I think that's what I feel like when we experience certain things in our life, I feel like that's God's way or the universe's way of just being like. I'm putting you here as a messenger for those people that are experiencing it to like share the story, to share some hope, to share the journey. And so I feel like kind of like you got to sort of kind of have an obligation to give back in a way because there's someone that is experiencing it and they're going to be like, I too don't know how to get out of this or I too don't know how to grieve. So looking back, yeah, I can truly say, I can now say, thank you, God. Thank you for that intervention. Right. Because 24 year old Leah didn't know anything that she needed to do, wanted to do. So now I can say, yeah. 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 So, what would you say to the listener who was that version of you? Mm. I mean, I can hear how you just said it in my own language, but like, if you could hold that Leah. Right. I don't know how old you are now. Maybe you said if you could hold that Leah and just sit beside her, what would you tell her that you couldn't? What did you need to hear then? I think I would tell her that she's so courageous. That she was so courageous for even considering bringing a child into the world, especially because she didn't have a mom growing up. Mm -hmm. So I I would tell her that she was so courageous in that moment because she was willing to not think about herself, but realize that, okay, I'm adult enough to know that I made a decision and this decision ultimately led to the creation of life and that it would not be uh, like, because it led to the creation of life, like, I just have to do what's best for this life, this Mm -hmm. life that God is allowing me to bring us to this earth. 
Um, so I would tell her that she was so courageous because she took a moment and she didn't think of herself. Because I would tell you, 24-year-old Leah was selfish. Mm. <laughs> like She was very selfish. Um, but then I would also tell her that I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her for standing in her conviction and her beliefs and mm-hmm. not allowing, you know, what grandma said and how her family felt and everybody was feeling to sway her decision. Yeah. You know, even though it yeah. didn't pan out the way that I that I wanted it at that time or was thinking that it should pan out at that time, I still stood in my convictions. And I think that's so important because I think a lot of times when faced with any type of situation, we want to please other people, but what yeah. about pleasing yourself? And I think at 24, I learned that it's okay to please you. It's okay to make a decision for you. Yes, you can take like other people's advice, but at the end of the day, it should be what you wanted. And so that's what I would tell her. Mm. And I think it's such a good example of how I I think pregnancies come to us to teach us all different things, right? Because for me, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, I already had three kids. And for me, the message was the same. Do stand in your conviction for what's right for you. But it would have been easier to say, oh, this life's been created. I'll just roll with it, right? And I had to be brave enough to say, just because there's potential here doesn't mean it's best for you. Doesn't mean it's best for your marriage. Doesn't mean it's best for your children. Yeah. So it's a great example of how the circumstance of a pregnancy, we all have something different to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. We all have something different to learn from it. It, it itself doesn't, there's not one outcome that's yeah. best for everyone. Um. I love it. And And we kind of both learned the same thing in different ways, right? Like do what's right for you. Yeah. (laughs) Even though what's right for us felt like opposite things at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing about motherhood in general is that we're learning that it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I tell people I don't have biological children, but I'm in an amazing relationship and I have three bonus kids. Like, like I get to be mom to three amazing children, you know, like, and help shape their next generation. I have 12 nieces and nephews. Like I get to be an amazing aunt. So I'm, I'm learning in this journey of parenting and motherhood and it all looks different for everybody. And there's no right or wrong way. And I think that's what the conversation around abortion and all this stuff is really missing the point that it looks different for everybody and there's no right or wrong way to be a mom yeah yeah absolutely thank you so much um is there anything you haven't said that you feel like someone needs to hear before we wrap up um i think the only thing i would say is if someone is experiencing that right now just give yourself some grace Like really give yourself grace, really practice self-compassion, understand that everybody's not going to understand or get your journey because it's your journey, right? Like learn the lessons and let it make you a better person. Like I always, my mantra is always, I want to be better, not bitter, right? Mm -hmm. So in every situation, every circumstance that I face, like how is this making me better? How am I growing and developing from this? Because even this, that situation, 
I grew and developed from it. And so in your situation, you'll do the same. So let it make you better, not bitter. Mm, that's so good. And where can people find you and follow you if they want to learn more or? Yeah. So yeah. you could, I'm on all the social media platforms as. <laughs> do you have a Lee. favorite? What's your favorite? Probably Instagram and TikTok. So if you yeah, want to find me, me over too. there, uh, Leah M. Forney on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, my website is www.leahmforney.com. It is getting updated. So you'll find some stuff on there. Um, and then I always tell people, um, you can always check out the podcast. It's Hey Queen Thrive. I'm on all the podcast platforms. So yeah. definitely check us out. We drop a new episode every Thursday. And then, yeah, I love to stay connected. So just follow me. Great. I will do all the linky things, but um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you for having a me. big, wide conversation. <laughs> yes. Glad right. I could help. Until next week. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.